Okay, so where we've been so... Thanks, Drew. Get this, get this crew under control. Yeah, I know. It's a real risk when we take a break. All right. Okay, so we've taken a quick look. We've taken a quick look at the idea of Sog, which is the overall self-other God. That's all this is about. And we've looked at GPS, glorify God, pursue God, serve God. Okay? And we can really see that in that last clip, okay? where Ernest Gordon defies his CO. Defies his CO, a huge decision to go care for these wounded men. We're going to now take a look at self-aware, self-engaging, which is the read acrostic. And if you look at page 14 in your books, you'll see that this is spelled out there. Read yourself accuracy, accurately. Recognize your emotion. And what is it that I'm feeling? Evaluate the source of that emotion or those emotions. Now, that can be really hard to do. We're very good at justifying, aren't we, how we feel, of making up good reasons why I should feel this particular way, why I'm justified uh, in my response to you. Sometimes it's really helpful to have someone walk closely with us through this um, to make sure that we're being as honest as we can. Our emotions and what we say and what we think will reveal what's in our heart, right? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We're all familiar with that passage. Our hearts, if, we're not, if our relations aren't, relationships aren't the way we want them, we need to be able to look deeply into our own hearts and say, what is it that is happening there that is compelling me, that is pushing me in the direction that I am currently following? And is that of God? Or is that of something else? Okay, remember we've talked a little bit about this idea of what, what the Bible calls and what we refer to as idolatry. If God isn't the center of our lives, then something else is. Okay, it could be money, it could be power, it could be fame, it could be a, you know, a desire, pride, a desire to look right, whatever it is. If that's what's driving us rather than pursuing God, okay, we've got a problem and we want to change that around. It's not that any of those things are bad in and of themselves. We need money to live, okay? Nothing wrong with fame if we earn it in the right way, okay? God brings the fame. But if that's what's driving us rather than loving God, self, and others, we've got a problem here and we need to shift that around, okay? Those things need to become subservient to our desire to love God, serve others, and love ourselves, okay? So, read all about recognizing emotion, evaluating their sources, anticipating the consequences of following them, and directing them on a constructive course. And boy, is this hard to do. Okay? It can be really hard to do. But you know what? When you and I begin to actually practice this, to slow down and be intentional about our responses, just rather than allowing that first sort of emotional hit to be what drives us forward, we can really begin to respond differently. And we can shape our words, we can shape our response according to what God can accomplish here in this particular relationship, whatever it is that we, we, might, be, uh, we might be engaged in. So learning to read ourselves accurately 
is a big deal. It's probably the area that I struggled most. I can't remember if I shared last night or not that um, with someone, I think, that, that for me, uh, learning to... Um, you know, learning to be able to understand my emotions and where they're coming from has been a huge learning curve, a huge point for me to take on. Uh, it's the area that I struggle with most. Serve, of course, is the other one. We'll go on to that here in a few minutes. Reading your emotions. I like this acrostic because if you think of emotions as, and this photo rather, if you think of emotions as being a sail, Okay, that captures the wind, uh, the, the, the emotions are like the wind and a sail captures them. If you're a sailor, and I imagine there are some sailors here, you know how the wind and the way that you set the sail will be able to take maximum advantage of it. Okay, but if you don't have a rudder that's controlling the boat and if you don't have anyone working that sail to make sure it's in proper trim, that boat's not going to go where you want it to go. And our emotions are a lot like that. Emotions drive us. Okay, they are going to happen to us. And the question is, are we setting the sail in order to capture them in a productive way? Are we using the rudder in order to guide them in a proper way? Or we are just allowing ourselves to drift, to go wherever our emotions might seem to take us. So recognizing them, evaluating them, anticipating them, and directing them become a big part. And these are all skills and disciplines that we can begin to learn, okay, to recognize the emotion. What is it that I'm feeling right now? Evaluate its source. Where is that coming from? Why is it that I'm feeling that way? It says a tremendous amount about where we are and what's important to us. I mentioned last night, I grew up um, in a very poor home. And not real poor. I mean, we never skipped a meal. But didn't have a lot of spare money. And my mom, who raised me, was very anxious about money. And I grew up being very anxious about money. And I didn't even realize that until I became married and my wife and I had to have conversations about our finances <clears throat> and then my anxiety would tip the scale, that emotion that was behind that would tip the way that I engaged my wife and the words I used and the tone of voice I used unwittingly, I had no idea I was coming across in such a harsh and judgmental way until I could actually start seeing the response on her face and hear the defensive response that came out of her mouth. And then it finally began to teach me, whoa, you know, the problem isn't so much her, the problem is me. I'm speaking about something important, but I'm doing it in a way that makes her uh, feel judged, that makes her, puts her on the defensive, that doesn't have us working together as a team. We're in combat here, okay, linguistic combat over this issue of finances. And I'd made finances a higher priority in my life and doing what I thought we needed to do with them than loving and honoring my wife. Now, are finances important? Of course, right? It's stewardship. It's, it's what we need to do in order to make sure we're managing our resources well that God has given us. But that has to be done in the context of loving and serving my wife, okay? Not allowing my emotions to drive the tone of the conversation and the words that I choose, okay? You get the idea there of how all of this fits together? And so I really had to learn to not only recognize that emotion, but evaluate their source. The source is what? I used to think the source was lack of money or not having as much money as we should. And finally, I realized that's not it at all. What it says about your heart is that you don't trust God to be able to meet your needs. You get that? You see where my problem is? I don't believe God's word. 
His word says, I will bless you. I will provide for you. You follow me and I'll take care of the details. When I have that kind of conversation with anyone, and especially with my wife, functionally what I'm saying is, yeah, Lord, but in this one area, I don't trust you. And so I'm going to take charge. I'm going to speak in whatever way I want to to accomplish what I think needs to happen here. Okay, so ultimately, it was a question of trusting the Lord and of my faith. And that has been and continues to be a very great area of my growth. I still struggle with that, but at least I know now what the problem is. And the question is, do I trust God under these circumstances? And of course, that applies to a lot of areas of our lives. I want to take a quick look at another clip. I'm going to set it up for you here. And what I want you to do, I'll just give you a heads up here. The discussion we're going to have afterwards is going to be to put ourselves in the place of Jim Braddock. It's, it's from the movie Cinderella Man. Put ourselves in his place. And what I'm going to ask you to do as you watch this clip is to try to imagine the kind of emotions that he is going through. And then we're going to apply this read acrostic. What is it that you see in him as he plays this scene that helps him or that tells you he's reading his emotions? Maybe he's evaluating their source, he's adjusting them, and then he's directing them to a productive outcome, to a good outcome. So that's the discussion we'll have. Be thinking along those lines as we watch this clip from Cinderella Man. What are you doing, son? I'm being good. I'm being quiet. I'm being safe. Great. <laughs> Daddy! Daddy! Hey, Rosie Cheek! How you doing? Daddy! Chase Star! What? Chase Star. What's all this about? See? It's a salami. Young lady. Your brother's in enough trouble without you telling on him. You understand? It's from the butchers. And he won't say a word about it, will you, Jay? Will you, Jay? Okay, pick it up. Let's go. Do not test me, boy. Right now. Howard, stay here. steal. No matter what happens, we don't steal. Not ever. He 
You got me. Are you giving me your word? Yes. Go on. I promise. And I promise you, we will never send you away. I got a little scared, I understand. Okay. Okay. So how did Jim Braddock read himself? You're going to have to put yourself in his shoes in order to be able to answer this because there's not explicit information given, but there's a lot of inference. What I'd like you to do is, again, discuss this at your tables, spend a little bit of time. How did you see him recognize his emotions? And it could be implicitly that you saw this happen. Was there any sort sense of evaluating their source? You might have to read into this quite a bit. Anticipating their consequences, and especially, how did he direct them constructively? What did you see happen that resulted in a constructive outcome rather than something that was not constructive. Okay, is assignment clear? The adult. We're looking at the adult. His name is Jim Braddock. So uh, how did he read himself, recognizing his emotions, evaluating their source, anticipating consequences maybe of acting on those? And again, go ahead and read into this. Put yourself in his shoes. How would you have responded if you'd come home and found your son had stolen? Okay, from a butcher. For that reason, what would be your response? It's okay to think here very personally. Okay, we'll work on not only on other awareness, but also on self-awareness. If I were in his shoes, what would I have felt? And what would I have been tempted to do? Okay? We'll spend five, seven minutes going over this. Okay. Thanks, by the way, for participating so well. The thing about, thing about life and relationships is that it's not passive. It's not a spectator sport, right? So I really appreciate your engaging in this, these conversations at your table and trying to begin to make this stuff real. All right. Can you get everybody to quiet down here? Thank you. Okay. So what do you think? What do we see in this movie? And right, it's, it's scripted, it's a Hollywood movie, and yet, nonetheless, we see some really interesting things played out here in terms of Braddock's response to his son. So go ahead, on any of these that you'd like to comment on, whether it's the recognize, evaluate, the um, anticipate consequences, or direct them constructively. What did you see? What did he do? Okay, so when he comes home and he finds this out, he doesn't overreact, right? He gets uh, almost frighteningly calm. <laughs> and that tone of voice, you know, do not test me, boy. Okay, that tells you that there's a lot of seriousness. Now, we know he's a professional fighter. Do you think that this came naturally to him, this way of responding? 
my hunch is that this is something he's had to learn over years and years and years uh, if we get into this story to respond that way rather than to respond uh, with emotion and, and possibly who knows what his character is with violence. Great, thank you. What else did you notice? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's really easy as a parent to take on board in terms of both our own sense of ourself and how other people see us, the good behavior or the bad behavior of our children. We do that all the time, right, as, as parents. Okay, we tend to respond in that way. And what happened in this clip was we didn't see that, where it would have been embarrassing for him to go back to the butcher. We don't really, I didn't really get a sense of embarrassment. I mean, this happened, let's deal with it properly. And then, as you said, at the end, what we see is it allowed for a conversation to happen where the son revealed his heart, what he was afraid of, and the response that we saw from Braddock, the dad. Yes? And he may still have been mad, but, right? but the madness is under control, okay? That amygdala uh, response is not kicking in. He's able to keep that under control of something that he wants to accomplish. What else did we see that affirmed the kid? You want, you want to come? Yeah, okay, so he's really looking at what will shape my child's heart at this point, not just provide outward pressure, but what will cause an inward kind of compulsion that can have longer-term consequences. Last comment, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he opened communication by not reacting um, overtly in anger that would have shut his son down. He, toward the end there where he's talking with his son, he first uh, gets down at eye level 
And then he actually squats down on his haunches so he's looking up at his son. What is that all about? What message does that send? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That, that sends a huge signal in this context. You know, we can't... We all want to sort of develop rules of the road that we can apply every time because that makes life easy. You don't necessarily always want to get down to eye level or squat on your haunches. And yet we see in this context that was exactly what his son needed in order to feel valued and affirmed and that promise at the end. I promise you we will never send you away. Deal? And shaken on that. This is, this is an adult relationship at this point. We're making a deal. It's not parents speaking down to child and ordering. Okay? It's person to person, man to man in this case, shaking hands and saying, this is how we're going to be going forward. Do we have a deal on this? Okay? So a lot of relational wisdom that we see in the way that Russell Crowe, playing the Jim Braddock character, responded to his son. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it actually, it, it actually is a position of humility, okay, being lower, so he's speaking up rather than speaking down to his son. Okay, we're going to move on to the next acrostic. So that is read, and that's how we can think about it. Serving others, and this is now page 15 in your workbooks, and we use this symbol of a soaring eagle. And the reason is because eagles can soar because of wind, that is, of air that is underneath their wings. It provides lift. It's what keeps them afloat. And when we serve others, in a lot of ways, we're playing the same role that the wind does for an eagle. It lifts, okay? It helps stay in the air, okay? It helps them complete the task to which God has called this particular animal, to be a bird that soars. Okay, I don't know. I love pelicans. I don't know if you've ever watched pelicans along the seashore. They are amazing the way that they can use drafts of wind to either skim along the water or where I used to live, there was a cliff that had an updraft and the pelicans would come along and go back and forth on that. Just amazing. That's the idea behind this acrostic. Serving others, putting wind under their wings so that we help them lift them up. And it consists of five words, uh, the first letter of which form the acrostic smile. Now, it's not always appropriate to smile. We didn't see Jim Braddock smiling an awful lot in that previous, previous situation. But more often than not, a smile conveys openness and friendliness. It conveys a willingness to engage someone. So the important thing behind this is that we want to convey, you matter to me, I'm going to enter into this conversation with you. I want to find a way to serve you, and a smile can often do that. Exploring and empathizing uh, with the other person. Now, to explore and to empathize with them, we have to do what? We have to listen. We have to find out about them. We have to be willing to ask questions and go deeper than some of the superficial conversations we're tempted to have. Uh, Just, you know, hi, how are you? And and we stay on the surface level. And for a lot of situations, that's appropriate. But if we're really going to serve someone, we have to be able to understand more deeply. And then to put ourselves in their shoes, to truly empathize with what they're struggling with, to respond well. 
Be sure to reconcile um, if there are any points of difficulty between you and the other person. Use this as an opportunity to get right on those points. We're going to talk about peacemaking in a couple minutes here and what that consists of. But being reconciled with people is critical if we're going to be able to serve them. If there's a broken relationship, there's going to be high degree of mistrust. And any time there's mistrust, it's difficult to serve a person in the way that we would like to like to serve them. Value them. They need to know that they're important, that they matter in our eyes. One of the ways that I've found that is, uh, really conveys that I value you is to listen. If you've ever been so with someone who listened very carefully and then was able to in paraphrase or repeat back to you what it was that you had just said, you have a, section, a, a, a sense what I said mattered to this person, enough for them to pay attention and get it. They're really on the same page with me. And that's a message of value. You're important. I want to hear what's going on with you. Okay, so please share with me. I will guard it. And encourage. Looking for ways to encourage people in their walk. Uh, there's a lot of discouragement out there. <clears throat> isn't there? And we get it from all kinds of, all kinds of sources. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we are encouraging people, each other, not only in the particulars of our daily struggles, but we're encouraging them with the word of the Lord and with the knowledge that God is sovereign and he is in this. Okay? And he is going to show us a way forward. And as Christians, we believe that to be true. And that ought to be a constant encouragement, a great encouragement for us. We're going to take a look at another video. This is the final video that we're going to have comments on where you're going to be working in discussion groups. So I want you to have a chance as you watch this video to just think of this acrostic. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you to comment on what did you notice about the way he engaged? Did he smile in the video that we're going to be watching? Did he explore and empathize? Was there any reconciling that went on? What value did he communicate, if any? And how did he encourage the people that he engages with? Now, there's not a lot of setup to the video. This video actually comes from Thailand, and it was produced by a Thai insurance company, of all things. But we're going to watch it, see what you think, and then we'll come back and answer those questions.
ขาจะไม่ได้อะไรเลยไม่ได้รวยขึ้นไม่ได้ออกทีวีไม่มีใครรู้จักไม่ได้มีชื่อเสียงที่มากขึ้นสิ่งที่เขาได้คือได้แค่ความรู้สึกได้เห็นความสุขได้เข้าใจได้ความรักในสิ่งที่เงินซื้อไม่ได้ได้โลกที่สวยงามกว่าเดิมในชีวิตคุณอะไรคือสิ่งที่คุณต้องการมากที่สุดไทยประกันชีวิตเชื่อในความดี Now that's done by a Taiwanese or a Thai life insurance company that just has the message "Believe in Good." Okay. What he gets are emotions. That's his payback, according to this. As Christians, we believe much more deeply than that. What we get is God. Okay. God blesses us. By these kinds of, by building these kinds of relationships, doesn't he? Okay, and it's not just believing in good; it's believing in the ultimate good, and God Himself, and that He has good in mind for us and bringing glory to Himself through the way that we connect with and relate to one another as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. So. Tell you what, rather than going to groups, we're just going to answer these questions uh, as a plenary. I hope everybody feels comfortable enough. You all know each other, and please feel free to just uh, share some thoughts uh, on his smile or the way that he approached people, uh, exploring and empathizing, reconciling, valuing, encouraging. What did you see in terms of his initial connection? Um, Was there much in the way of smiling or at least engaging people with the way that he moved toward people? Yes. Okay, so he smiled toward them. He wasn't getting an awful lot back, at least initially. In fact, probably it seems like what he mostly got was confusion. You know, why are you doing this? And people off on the side shaking their head and saying, "This guy is crazy." Okay. Um, yeah, but did that deter him? No, that smile says something about what's going on inside of him. That it is a pleasure, okay, for me to be able to serve you in this way. Okay, great. Anything else about that? It also breaks down the barriers, the the resistance, the um, the doubt of those people watching. Yeah. It, it sort of chips away at their uh, resentment 
Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Because they may be, you know, who is this guy coming to help me with this cart? You know, maybe he's going to take it away from you or something. But that smile connotes, I'm here to help. Okay, I want to serve you. So it becomes a critical piece. Good. Anything else? How about empathizing and exploring? What did you see there? Yeah. He yielded, he yielded his convenience to be able to serve other people. There's a, a British writer named G.K. Chesterton who um, once wrote that an adventure is, in, is an inconvenience properly understood. <laughs> okay? You can turn something that you prefer not to do into an adventure, into something that can become life-transforming for you and for other people. And the difference is what? The difference isn't the situations, not the circumstances. The difference is what's here and what's here. Okay. Great. What else in the way of exploring, empathizing? Thank you. Great comment. Initially, we almost get the sense that it's a, a, a duty. You know, I see this problem here. I've got a duty to do this. But over time, he finds that duty brings him a lot of reward. And rather than being something that is legally driven, it's something that becomes, we think, motivated by grace and by love, okay, and by a sense of how, how rewarding it is to serve other people. How about uh, reconcile? We don't really see, I didn't see anything in there regarding reconciling. Did you except maybe... I don't know, with the dog when he, <laughs> when he decides to give up on the chicken. Yeah, did you have a, did you see something? Ah, ah, okay. Okay, good. I hadn't noticed that. So there is this sense of reconciling with their, I don't know, dis disparagement. Cynicism, good word. Cynicism over why are you doing this? Yeah. Okay. That really authenticates it, doesn't it? Yeah. Persistence in doing good despite the lack of overt reward. You had a comment? Yeah. 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 And it's like everything happens at the same time in the same order every day. It's sort of like Groundhog Day, if you've ever seen that, ever seen that movie. Okay. And he gets it right, though, the first time. And then he voluntarily continues to live that way. How about valuing? What message of valuing? 
is he sending the people? Yeah. Yeah, helping out people who had nothing to give him in return, at least initially. Okay, nothing to give him in return at all. Really demonstrating that he valued. How about encouraging? Yeah, 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 because that shopkeeper who benefited from this was able to bless other people because the way in which he had served. And all of his actions are really actions of encouragement, coming alongside people and saying, you're not in this alone, okay? There's someone who's going to be able to serve you and help you, okay, with this. So this is the idea behind serve. Those are some of the qualities that this little video demonstrates. And how much more as Christians, as followers of the Lord of creation, ought we to be looking for these kinds of opportunities to be of service to one another in the body, but also in the community. One of the things I love about uh, Redeemer, the little bit I've heard about it, is the fact that you're community-minded. You really are looking for ways to influence what happens in the community. That's just wonderful. So looking for these sorts of service opportunities is, is great. And I want to commend you for that. We're going to 